it has gone by pretty quick, but this is a, a great chapter. We're on chapter five this week. We hope you guys have enjoyed reading it this week. So go ahead, grab your books, grab some coffee, whatever your beverage of choice is, and I uh, hope you're prayed up and ready to get into chapter five. Come on, let's do this. The, the first couple of chapters have been very convicting for me. This one it was convicting in ways too, but I found myself being very interested. This is more like historical almost, like just yeah. a history lesson. Yeah, which I really, it's just fascinating, I guess is the, the right word to use. Still yeah. like horrific, some of the things that were going on, yeah. but very fascinating to learn the origin and um, kind of the behind the scenes yeah. of some of this uh, stuff. And kind of to your point almost with the like horrific stuff like some of the stuff that we'll get into later in the conversation i'm sure but the the things that some people said and like wrote down and the way they viewed people it was mind-blowing that that's actually how people thought of a whole nother race and it's just i can't even fathom it but that's it's it's fact Mm -hmm. you know so and we'll get into it later but justified the bible like using the bible to justify that claim not just It's insane. So kind of giving a little summary of this, he starts out, last week we talked about the period leading up to Civil War. This week was in Chapter 5 talking specifically about the Civil War. And then also taking a moment to jump into looking at the Presbyterians, the Methodists, and the Baptists of mm-hmm. how their conventions handled slavery and some of the splits that happened because of it. And then also some of the defenses they gave from the Bible about why they think slavery is okay. Uh, and it just it just kind of overall emphasized, it emphasized the split that was going on in America and the general ideologies of those in the South. And then also really dove into starting to understand the Bible's relationship to slavery and why people justified it in a certain way. Um, and I can't remember, Scott, if he did or not, but I don't think he gave a huge... Um, he talked about a little bit of defense of why the Bible is against slavery. But I don't know if he really went into it a ton. Yeah, no, he definitely didn't go into it a ton. And that that's one of those things that I wanted to do uh, or want to do some more research on and kind of dive into how slavery is, is not uh, condoned in the Bible. It's more uh, talked about. It's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. Uh, and I think that's one of the clarifications that uh that needed to be made and there there was one other thing like at the end of this chapter that i really was um kind of surprised by and wanted to dive into more but like uh at the the very last thing he said in the in the chapter it almost seemed like he was blaming christians for the civil war and i think that was like a really uh intense thing for him to say i don't know if you if you have it there if you want to read it um yeah i'll I'll read what he's referring to there the last line he says the civil war paints a vivid picture of what inevitably happens when the american church is complicit in racism and willing to deny the teachings of jesus to support an immoral evil institution and so i i there's a lot in that sentence that i agree with but in light of this entire chapter and maybe I'm reading into it too much, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like he's blaming Christians for mm. the Civil War. Like that that Christians not taking a harder stance in slavery right. is what led to the separation. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you see that? Or do you read that I mean, into that? Or? I, I guess so. I did not in the time when I read it the first time. Mm-hmm. But I can see what you're saying. I just think, I don't know. From what I've read about, like from everything else that Jamar has written in this book, mm-hmm. like I would think that he would, it would surprise me to think yeah. that he is saying that. Like right. and making a very just blanket statement like right. that. Um, but it would be definitely something I'd want to. And I did, I did do a little bit more research on that. And there is a lot of even secular people that it's they don't contribute the Christians or religion. That's not what caused the Civil War. But religion and Christianity in particular really fueled the flames and the division that happened within the churches. And because religion and churches was so big during that time, those divisions leaked out into the culture at large and so that played uh it fueled the flames that were already going and when they they saw like all right even christians are divided among this and who's you know they're using god to kind of justify this side or that side and so that division was just made things infinitely worse which was i was like i thought a really interesting point that even uh secular people were making so i mean i guess i can see that based on what everything he's been talking about so far is especially on the heels of the great the second great awakening in the yeah. early 1800s uh, there was a large majority of people that were christians that this was like i think the reason why this was such a debate and such a struggle and probably why there was so much division is because the bible in itself you know cutting like a sharper like a short a sword sharper than any yeah that was short or whatever it may be you know like i feel like the truth of the scripture caused a division where some people we're going to justify it and some people are not. And it became yeah. such a, like it's talked about in this chapter, one of the big takeaways is like some of these, some of these divisions, like I didn't know this, but the SBC was founded because they were upset the Baptist convention for mm-hmm. explicitly calling slavery a sin. Yeah. That there was many denominations that were upset slavery was being labeled a sin, which is like a pretty big issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if the Bible, if the Bible says slavery is a sin, then the entire like a lot of people are now in yeah. sin and falling under that right. and have to change if it's not then for those that are abolitionists it's like okay what you're saying then god doesn't care if people are subjected it's like both of them paint such extreme sides of if one is right and the other is wrong like mm-hmm. it, it's a total ro- worldview shift like i i don't know i can see how the vision would be deep because the stakes are really high of yeah. who's right if yeah. that makes sense no for sure and that's you know looking into kind of going into the big takeaways i think from this uh from this chapter the on page 81 the first thing i kind of want i know it's kind of later in the chapter but he talked about how many remained committed to slavery as orthodox biblical truth and then uh this person dabney he not only believed that slavery was morally acceptable, he viewed it as a positive for the African. Then the quote is, Was it nothing that this black race, morally inferior, should be brought into close relations to a nobler race? Like, that's that's an insane quote. And then, he's, then at the bottom of page 81, he says, Dabney saw white Christian slave owners as loving people standing between the enslaved and eternal damnation. So these people were almost looking at themselves as the saviors of the black race. Like they're, they're elevating themselves to uh, the position of Christ. And that, that is so terrible on so many different levels that that's these people's mindset. 
And maybe this was an outlier for, you know, whatever. Maybe most people weren't that extreme, but that is nuts to me. Yeah. Like I can't even, that's, that's the first big takeaway for me is that it seems like so many people just justified slavery by saying this is their way to heaven. Like this is how you can get close to Christ is by being close to me and you're making yourself uh, Christ and that's just all sorts of terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it's it, absolutely insane. Um, it, it is terrible to read. Like it's terrible, I don't know, just to put yourself in the, in the shoes of somebody hearing those words that like, hey, you're you're a inferior race. Like you're a morally depraved. Like it's like, just calling you as a people just because of where you're from, the color of your skin, like absolutely demeaning you to this position. Like it's just, yeah, it's absolutely terrible. It's horrible. And kind of, I already kind of talked about my first takeaway and talking about kind of the division that was there, like of just like, you know, kind of what we talked about earlier there. But mm-hmm. kind of the, the bigger takeaway for me too is like these different readings of, and I kind of mentioned this before, but these different readings of the scripture to fit somebody's needs, interpretations of scripture I think it's just so important to remember how important it is to really read the Bible and to be able to read the Bible. I'm teaching a, a, a hermeneutics class. I can barely say that word. <laughs> uh, hermeneutics class this summer. And the point of it is to be, is a nine-week thing to walk through with people how to read the Bible. Because a lot of times we're told in churches and told by pastors, hey, this you should go read your Bible, go read your Bible, but we're never told how to actually do it. And bad exegesis and bad biblical theology like the bad reading of scripture can lead to claims like this Mm -hmm. um you know the argument of what they were saying is a lot of people used the argument that noah's son ham Mm -hmm. noah's son ham like that africans are the descendant of ham and ham was cursed so that means that now as a result anybody of the african race is now in subjection to the white race which is a totally out of left field, like horrible reading and interpretation of scripture. And you have to ignore so many other things and aspects of it. But like, I, I feel like it's, I feel like in a society, like this is what happens when people listen to pastors, they don't read the Bible themselves, but they also have never taught how to read the Bible mm. for themselves. It's easy. I guess, I mean, you see it today, the prosperity gospel or all of these like false doctrines going around is that Pastors who claim they know the Bible and claim they know it well get up, mm-hmm. preach to a large crowd with charisma and whatever it may be, yeah. preach what people want to hear and say it's from the Bible. And then sadly, a lot of people don't go to check it out themselves. Yeah. And so like when I read that like the that Methodist, Baptist, and Presbyterians all had splits over slavery because some yeah. people wanted it, like it doesn't surprise me because mm. a lot of people twist and justify God's word to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. And so it's just reminding me, it's like of how important it is to read mm-hmm. because when you read the Bible as it's supposed to be read and like using proper exegesis and biblical theology, which are two big words, you don't know what they mean. <laughs> exegesis is basically reading the scripture like with the author's original intent mm-hmm. and biblical theology is basically looking at the Bible as a whole and not just looking at one section so yeah. like if you just look at one section that talks about slavery in leviticus and ignore everything else you miss out on god's character and a ton of other applications that have to do with slavery um i think i talked about it before but if you if you just read in leviticus like about laws of divorce but you don't read genesis about god wanting man and woman to come together and not be separated or jesus yeah. talking about it like yeah like it's obvious God is against divorce, but you might read one section out of context 
and you'll get the wrong picture. Yeah. And so, I don't know. That that was for me. It's like all that kept coming to my mind is that like a longing for like, I don't know. A, it's more of a, a frustration and a, I don't know if a grief. I don't know what the right word would be. Just an, just upset that so many people were able to be led astray yeah. to something that the Bible, and claiming the Bible was saying something it was not. You yeah, know? and I think that just speaks to a broader, uh, you know, human instinct to we want to we want to believe what we want to believe, and if we have things that we believe in and we think they're right, then we don't want to be proven wrong. Uh, and it's it's very difficult to change somebody's mind or to make somebody think a different way than they've thought. Uh, that is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, then the the last kind of big takeaway, and I'll I'll make it kind of quick. Um, but at the, towards the end of the chapter, one of the things, uh, Jamar talked about is he said, it should give every Christian and citizen in America pause to consider how strongly ingrained the support for slavery in our country was. And that's like the overall arching theme, I think of this book and especially this chapter is you know, it's not about making, you know, certain people feel bad or making people say, oh, you're wrong. You shouldn't think like that or, or so on and so forth. But it's looking at our history and acknowledging it's messed up and there is some terrible things in our history. And then how do you go forward from that? How do you learn from that? Because uh, we always want to look back at the history and say, yeah, like there might have been some bad things, but look at all of these really good things. And, and you're always taught like the good side of things and you're never taught or you never really dive into the, the bad side of it. And that's what I don't think we realize. And even going back and looking at the different splits of the, you know, the Presbyterian Church, the Methodist Church and the, and the Southern Baptist Church. And I know specifically like for the Southern Baptist Church, they've since apologized for their stance that they had, but they had that stance. And it was something that was very ingrained into that culture. Uh, and you even, you know, see different ways that that kind of rears its ugly head today. And you, if you don't know your history, then you're bound to repeat it. And it's like they say uh, history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it rhymes. And I think that's a very prudent thing to think about is, yeah, we're, you know, Lord willing, obviously, we're never going to have slavery again, like like we did uh, back, you know, hundreds of years ago. Hopefully it never gets to that again, Lord willing. But who knows what kind of atrocities that could come about if we don't acknowledge the past in order for a better future to take place. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the last big takeaway for me from this chapter is just really considering and understanding how ingrained racism is uh, or was uh, built into every fabric fabric of society that we don't even acknowledge yeah so for sure man that's yeah that's great that's great and a good place to good place to end on so next week i think we've mentioned it before but we're going to do a little q a deeper dive so if you have any questions or comments or anything like that or we'd love to just hear from you guys what you've thought of the book so far but you can send us an email at gregoryandscott at gmail.com or send us a text or call if you got our info uh, for, for our close our close decent dialogue listeners. But, I mean, with all that, Scott, I don't think if you, unless you have anything else. We, no, uh, I don't have anything else. Yeah, just holler. Holler at know. your boy. Holler at your boy. 
let us know some questions or comments you might have and uh, we'll answer them next week so all right peace peace